a new science fiction thriller from the author of The Martian. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Andrew Ware, former software engineer, space nerd, and author of some of the world's best contemporary science fiction, including Randomize, The Martian, Artemis, and now Project Hail Mary. Welcome back to the show, Andy. Hi, thanks for having me. I like how Randomize got top billing. <laughs> a short story that's part of a an anthology collection. <laughs> well, and that's exactly what people we want people to check it out. What? I haven't heard like, of that what? one. What's Randomize? <laughs> <laughs> well, one accomplishment I left out of your introduction was that Hollywood, that of Hollywood producer, right? I'm yeah. not sure. I, I'm pretty sure, in fact, that most of our audience has seen The Martian, Ridley Scott's silver screen adaption of your novel of the same name. What's it like having your work turned into a big blockbuster featuring some of maybe the biggest names in Hollywood? It was awesome. And it was really surreal. I mean, it's like, it doesn't seem real. It seems like you're just kind of in a daydream or something like that. And it all goes by so fast. There's so much to do that like once once they're done with the movie and you go to the premiere and stuff like that, there's all this press and media and the premiere and the, there's traveling and doing this and doing that and, and, then, and then it's all done. And then you're like, the hell just happened? Now I'm back in my house. Everything's the same as it was. Did that happen? It doesn't seem like that really happened, you know, but but it did. And, um, you know, my bank account proves it. So I'm feeling good. <laughs> well, you should. And you've earned it. That's for sure. You've, well, thank you. You earned all of your street cred. Your, your newest science fiction novel, Hail Mary, just at this Project show. Hail Mary, just Project FYI. Hail Mary, that's true. Yeah. What's the premise of the story? Um, an astronaut, well, a, a, a person, a man wakes up aboard a spaceship uh, with complete amnesia and it takes him a while to even realize that he's on a spaceship. And um, as his memories start coming back to him, he realizes he's on a desperate last ditch mission to save humanity from an extinction level event. So no pressure. Absolutely no pressure. Scientific accuracy is one of the hallmarks of your work. When you wrote Project Hail Mary, what science research went into the story? all tons and tons of research. I, I, I had to do more research for this than any other title that I've worked on, um, mainly because it hits so many different sciences. I mean, I, I, had to look, I, I, had to, I had to do a bunch of research into relativistic physics, uh, quantum physics, biology, <laughs> uh, uh, climatology, it just uh, stellar physics, like how, how stars work. Oh man, it was... And, and I loved it. I love doing the research. It's my favorite part of writing a book. I absolutely adore it. Uh, but yeah, it was a ton of research. It was fun. I liked it. One of the ingredients of classic science fiction is how the authors extrapolate technology into the future and invent uh, new tools and methods. How do today's real life advancements like maybe SpaceX boosters landing on floating platforms and helicopters on Mars influence your writing? Um, well, this particular book, uh, Project Hail Mary, is about like this desperate um, mission. They have to put the ship together really as fast as they possibly can 
So it's actually made entirely out of existing technology. It's all real technology that exists here, except for the fuel that it uses, which is a long story, uh, a long story that is in fact detailed in Project Hail Mary, available now. Um, but um, yeah, so the fuel is the the thing that man yet humanity never had before. But other than that, everything else is like mainstream technology. So for instance, they needed this ship to have a laboratory aboard it and they wanted all the lab equipment to work. And so they they said, we don't have the time to develop reliable lab equipment that works in zero G. But we do have like, you know, lab equipment that's been designed to work in one G that has millions of hours of testing. So it's better to make this ship have a centrifuge mode such that there will be one G of gravity aboard it. And then we can just use normal equipment that's been well tested, that sort of thing. So it's kind of funny how you, you asked me about, oh, you know, there's all this cool cutting edge technology going on in the world right now. And in this book, it's like the, the, the characters avoided anything that wasn't very heavily and very well tested. So it's all old stuff, except for the stuff that they were forced to invent, like the propulsion system for the ship that uses this new kind of fuel. I understand that for the Martian, there was a discussion on how to present the hexadecimal system that Matt Damon's character used to communicate with Earth. What kind of conversations take place behind the cameras on how to present or maybe explain the science and technology you incorporate into your writing? Well, uh, we haven't gotten far enough into uh, Project Hail Mary film to, to be having those discussions. Uh, on the Martian, um, most of it, I, I, a lot of that complexity was just um, removed or calmed down by Drew Goddard's fantastic screenplay, where he understood that, I mean, he and Ridley and everybody wanted this to be a, by, by the way, just so I'm clear, uh, I had no say over anything in, in the film. I was a complete bystander. They didn't even have to include me in anything. They chose to ask my opinion on some stuff, but they didn't have to. My only job was to cash the check, which I did. But um, uh, they decided that they wanted the scientific accuracy to come through and they wanted it to be really very realistic. And so um, they, they, Drew, when he was working on the screenplay, made a concerted effort to keep things scientifically accurate, but there's nowhere near as much explanation as there is in the book. Um, so what he did was he just had things are going to be scientifically accurate. We're just not going to explain everything to the reader. It's just like, here's the thing, it's going on. If you want to do a deep dive into it and research it, you'll find out that we are presenting this correctly, but we're not going to stop and tell you every single time. And it was a really good balance. So it's just kind of like, be accurate. Don't bother to prove that you're being accurate. You mentioned this already, uh, but MGM has already picked up the film rights and lined up another A-list team to star in and produce it. What can you tell us about that? Well, um, just what's already publicly known, um, MGM bought the film rights from me, uh, completely bought, by the way, an outright purchase, not just an option, which means they had to spend more money, significantly more than an option uh, price for it. So that's good because it implies that they're taking this real seriously and they're very likely to green light the film. But you never know, fingers crossed, right? Um, we have uh, uh, Ryan Gosling uh, attached to play the lead 
which is cool because the leads the the main character's name is Ryland Grace, so they have the same initials. He can you know he can bring his own cufflinks or whatever you know. <laughs> and then um, uh, we have Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the directing duo or a hot property in Hollywood. They're they're set to direct. And um, and we have Drew Goddard once again, same 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 talented uh, screenplay writer who wrote the adaptation of The Martian, um, is writing the adaptation of this. Um, which is awesome. Uh, one little difference is this time I actually am a producer on the film. I'm not, a, so I actually have a small amount of say. Well, and, that's wise of them. Well, no, it's not wise of them at all. I should not be put in charge of anything. I, I don't know anything about how to make movies, but I told everybody who was making offers on Project Hail Mary, I said, I want gross participation. In other words, I want to get a cut of the box office value. I don't want you know, points on the back end, which is always zero because of creative Hollywood accounting. I want a percentage of the money the movie makes. And all most of the other studios just said, we don't do that for writers. You know, we do it for the stars. We do it for the producers that so we don't do it for writers. And MGM said, we don't do it for writers. So we'll make you a producer. <laughs> so that's, it's all just a means of me getting a small cut of the of the uh, of the box office revenue, not not as big a cut as the real producers get, but I am a producer on the film, which means I do have some say. Um, I got to I got to approve the directors. I was involved in 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 saying yes, let's go with uh, Drew Goddard. In fact, I pushed hard for Drew Goddard. Not that there was any pushback. Everybody agreed Drew was the best. The only problem is he was busy for six months, and so if we wanted Drew, we were going to have to wait. And I pushed for us waiting, and we all agreed to wait. Um, but uh, for the most part, I'm just going to stay out of the way and let the actual producers who know their job, know what they're doing, do their jobs. I'm just going to try to not get in the way. I'm just here for the money. Don't mind me. <laughs> Don't mind me. Well, you weren't always. In fact, you know, you, you started by, because this is your passion, right? Technology. Mm -hmm. um, and Science. Doing the research. Science. And you talked, which kind of surprises me that this, you've done so much more research for this movie or this book rather uh, than you've done for any other. So it bears to mind, the question to me is, what did you learn? You, you, what one thing really surprised you in your extensive research for this book? Oh boy, there was so many things. I learned a lot about quantum physics, believe it or not, even though the reader will not, uh, aside from a paragraph here and there where it's mentioned obliquely, the reader won't have won't even be told anything about quantum physics, but I learned a lot about it because I, I drilled way deep down. So in this uh, in this book, there's an alien microbe called astrophage that can store an enormous amount of energy, and it stores it. And I wanted to come up with how it does that. I didn't want to just say la da da. I wanted to. Um, have at least for myself an explanation of what's going on inside the microbe that enables it to store this huge amount of energy and it's storing it by turning energy into mass and so I decided it's doing this process to turn kinetic energy into neutrinos and it's storing the neutrinos and then when it wants to use that energy for propulsion because this is a microbe that flies through space um, it smashes the neutrinos together and neutrinos are most people don't know this but a, a neutrino is its own antiparticle. So if you do manage to get two neutrinos to collide, they annihilate and turn into light, just like matter, matter and antimatter. So this is what the uh, astrophage does. It stores its energy as neutrinos, then it makes them collide, 
to provide light, which is propulsion for them. Yay. Okay. But that required me to go way down the rabbit hole on how neutrinos work. Because neutrinos are notoriously difficult to contain. They just, a neutrino can pass clean through Earth without hitting a single atom. And so I had to come up with some hand wavy physics for like why these things have a super cross-sectional um, cell membrane. That means that nothing can quantum tunnel past it. And I, I did all of this work and did all this math and did all these calculations and stuff like that. It's all in spreadsheet after spreadsheet after spreadsheet on my hard drive just for what turns into like two sentences in the book. <laughs> And I know you say you're driven by money, but honestly, oh, come on, God. you're driven by the I science, Andy. I, I love, love it. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. In fact, I, I wish that my job could be just to do the research for a book and then present it. I'm like, here it is. Here's all the research. I don't want to write the book. That's a lot of work, but here's the research. And then people give me millions and then everybody wins. But uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> so... Are there any like little um, tiny beans of thought on how your next book might come along? I mean, have you already started thinking about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I have several ideas for my next book. I'm not, I'm not telling anybody any of them because I don't want to talk about what my next book is going to be until I'm 100% sure that this, that this story is going to be my next book. Generally, what I'll do is I'll have several ideas and I'll write chapter one, maybe chapter one and two of a few different ideas and see what feels good. And, and see if it's flowing well and the characters are interesting and so on. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm already working on several, I, several different ideas for my next book. Did any of those ideas come from any of the research that you did, uh, the extensive, again, research that you did for this movie? Uh, no, I'm thinking of them. No, no, and no, no. These are, most of them are ideas I've had for some time that I'm now fleshing out. Um, for the most part, um, when I'm kind of developing a new story, it's because I have a lot of neat concepts for stories, but like, it's usually some kind of technology, right? It's usually like, ooh, wouldn't it be neat if this scientific principle, what if, what if this existed? And then I'm like, oh, well, right now, here's a bunch of awesome stuff that could happen, but I need to say like, okay, now I need to come up with a cohesive plot and a character and story arcs and all this stuff like that so that all the awesome stuff can happen and the reader can enjoy it, but there's also a story being told, a, 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 coherent, a coherent narrative and stuff like that. And so that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I've got a few different awesome little technologies and for each one of them I'm going like okay well here's a story I could do with that here's a story I could do with that okay this one's pretty solid this one I got nothing on this one's pretty solid okay let me write chapter one of that and see how it feels and so on. Is there anyone in your life that serves as the base of your characters? Um, well it's usually me. Um, Mark Watney is just me. I mean he's 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 the idealized version of me. He he has all of my all, all of the aspects of my personality that I like, um, and none of my many many flaws. Right. So he's just the idealized version of me. He's what I wish I were. Um, Jazz Bashara, the the main character in Artemis, is more like the real me. Uh, I wanted to make a more flawed character, and so I imbued Jazz with all of the kind of the flaws that I had when I was her age. So she's 26. When I was 26, I was a screw up. And so her personality, her character is, she is very smart, 
but doesn't use it very well and is her own worst enemy, causes most of her own problems, always trying to take shortcuts in life that just end up making things worse for her than if she'd done things the right way. And that was me in my 20s. I was, I was a screw up. So I drew on that uh, to be to make jazz. And I uh, kind of alienated a lot of readers. She was so self-destructive that a lot of people just had a tough time rooting for her. Um, so, uh, you know, lesson learned there. Um, but then finally, for uh, the main character in Project Hail Mary, his name is Ryland Grace. Um, he, uh, I, I, I'm always trying to grow as a writer. I want to get better at what I'm doing. And I feel like one of my biggest weaknesses is characters, character depth and complexity and growth and stuff throughout a story. You read The Martian, Mark Watney, you read the whole book. You don't know anything about him other than he doesn't want to die. And he's kind of funny, right? And he's pretty talented at what he does. And he doesn't, he's at the end of the book, he has the exact same personality and ideals as it, it did at the beginning. He undergoes no change whatsoever. He doesn't have any long dark night of the soul. He's just trying to survive. That's it. So there is no depth, no growth. I mean, he's a likable character, but I want to do better. For Jazz Bashara, she has flaws, so she has depth. She realizes that those are bad flaws, and she gets better, and she makes amends, so there's growth. But people didn't like her very much. I went a little too far on the flaws, <laughs> right? Okay, well, Ryland Grace, my next step in trying to become a better author was okay, I got to get out of the habit of just basing characters on myself. I've got to, I've got to be, you know, I've got to be better than that. So I, I've, so for Ryland Grace was the first time I made a protagonist that wasn't based on my own personality. Um, I made him from scratch, basically. I came up with his, his personality developed slowly over time as I wrote the novel. And then I went back and retrofitted the early chapters, chapters to match the personality that it developed. Um, and he is not based on my own personality. He's, he's not like me. And that, that's, a big, that's a big reach for me. That's a big stretch. And so I feel good that I, that I did it. And I think he is a likable character. He's flawed. He has, he has downsides. He has failings. And, but he's still a, a likable character that you can root for. Well, I'm hoping that everyone will pick up this latest book because I'm already excited to see the movie. Where can we go to learn more about all of your books? Well, you can go to andyweirauthor.com, which is my kind of official website, and that'd be a great place. Um, my Facebook is Andy Weir, unsurprisingly, and my, uh, my Twitter is at Andy Weir Author. Well, I am definitely on team Bring Him Home, so um, <laughs> I still want to follow up on The Martian. So. Oh, well, you know, he got home, so... <laughs> There's not like a lot of follow-up other than he runs out of beer and the store is closed. I mean, I don't know what, <laughs> what there is left to tell about old Mark's adventures. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Andy, for joining us. And um, if somebody wants to connect with you personally, or maybe they want to just follow you in general, uh, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, they can email me. My email, I mean, I'll say it, it's cephalon at gmail.com. Hard to spell. Just Google Andy Weir email. I have a very public email address and I answer all fan mail. Thanks again for joining us, Andy. Thanks for having me. Andy Weir, author of the new science fiction novel, Project Hail Mary. Highly recommend it. And find more of my interviews right here or on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.